There's a product that Americans spend $21 billion annually on. Can you guess what it is? Toilet paper. Toilet paper. Good <laughs> guess. Very good guess. I don't know how much Americans spend on toilet paper, but that's not the answer. Probably more. Did you say cigarettes? Uh, nope, not that one either. Good guess. Food. Food? Roads. Roads? Good guess. $21 billion annually on? Phone? Another good guess. But that's not it either. It's food. It's not food. It is? Insurance. Not insurance. <laughs> it is the home security system. $21 billion annually on home security systems. Why is that? Dave? Does that include guns? <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It's the security system with the locks and, and all that good stuff. $21 billion annually on home security systems. Why? Because it doesn't take much to know that we're living in a scary world. You can watch your news for 15 minutes at night, and what do you see? You see the shootings. You see the robberies. You see uh, all kinds of evil in the world. And what do we want? We want to go home to a place where we know that we are perfectly safe, right? We want to lock our doors at night, turn on our security systems, and be able to lay down our heads and know that nothing is going to touch us. No harm is going to come to us. Because we know that out in the world, evil exists. And as Christians sitting here this morning, I think you know that there's kind of two evils uh, uh, able to attack us, right? One, there's, there's an evil in the world that exists that, that uh, attacks all people, right? That all people uh, are plagued with. But then there seems to be evil just against Christians. And that's true. Because the devil is working very hard at, uh, to attack Christians to, so Christians give up the faith. And so you look around the world and what do you see? Christians under persecution, right? Last Easter, we, we were out at Santa Rita Ranch having an outdoor Easter service, praising Jesus that He rose from the dead. While that was happening, do you know what was happening in Sri Lanka? A Christian church was bombed as they were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and hundreds of Christians died. You turn on the news and you see the, the shootings in churches. You see all kinds of attacks against Christianity. And it, it doesn't take long for us to realize that there's evil in the world and then there's evil against Christianity. And even here in America, the culture is seeming to shift, isn't it? Where it's hard, or harder, to be Christian. It seems that everything, everything is acceptable except for being a Christian. And as the culture is shifting, as the world is shifting, there's a thought that kind of dances through our minds when we're safe at home behind our security systems. And the thought is, is it worth it? Is being a Christian really worth it? That's the question that the first century Christians were, I have to imagine, asking, asking themselves. The first century Christians living in the, pro, in the city of Thessalonica. i got a map for you. So here would be Jerusalem over here. 
Thessalonica is way over here. And in 50 AD, the Apostle Paul, a missionary, makes his way to Thessalonica uh, to spread the gospel message, to spread the good news of Jesus. Thessalonica was a big city. Uh, 200,000 people in 50 AD were living in Thessalonica. It was a key Roman city, and so you had Roman officials living there, you had Roman soldiers living there, and you had a big group of Jewish people living there. It's to this city that Paul comes and he starts preaching the gospel message. The Jewish people and the Romans already don't like each other. They're already at button heads. And now Paul comes in and he starts preaching about Jesus. In 51 AD, after Paul left, he writes his first letter to the Thessalonians. Four months later, he writes 2 Thessalonians, his second letter to the Thessalonian church. And that's where we're at today. We're at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 3. Uh, Paul introduces himself. He's writing the letter. He introduces to whom he's writing it to. Grace and peace uh, are yours from God our Father. And then this is what Paul says in verse 3. We ought, to al we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love of all you have uh, for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecution and trials you are enduring. This is a pretty incredible line. Uh, we boast about your perseverance and faith. When Paul uh, goes to all these different churches, you see all these different cities on here? Paul started churches in all these different cities. And Paul says, when I go and I talk to these churches, I boast about you, Thessalonians. I'm bragging about you when I go to these churches. Why? What made them so unique? Well, I'll give you a little homework. Uh, when you go home tonight, or this afternoon, read Acts chapter 17, and you will see how Paul starts the Christian church there in Thessalonica. I'll give you a short little snippet of it, though. Paul comes into Thessalonica. He starts telling people about Jesus. Uh, a little church starts, and a guy named Jason takes him in. He becomes a Christian, and Jason says, Hey, don't live in your tent. Come stay at my house, uh, and, and you can hang out here while you're doing the Lord's work. Soon the Jewish people get wind that the Christian church is now here, and they get jealous. And they incite a large mob to go through the city looking for Paul. When they can't find him, they hear that he's staying at Jason's house. So they go to Jason's house and knock on his door. Jason doesn't answer. So they break down his door, search his entire house for Paul, can't find him. So they drag Jason out into the middle of the city where they humiliate him and they throw him into prison, making him bail himself out. For what? Being a Christian. And this was just the lighter side of the persecution that this Thessalonian church faced. And Paul says, I'm boasting about all of you. Why? Because your faith is growing, it's increasing, and you are persevering even in the face of this persecution. And yet, do you think the Thessalonians were asking, is it worth it? Can you imagine what it must be like to walk through the city and have to look over your shoulder to make sure that you're not being followed. 
Can you imagine what it must be like to be sitting in your home where you think you are safe and people break down your door just because you're a Christian? I have to imagine they, had, they were thinking, is it worth it? Maybe you don't have to imagine too hard because maybe you've asked that question too. Is it worth it? As people call you a bigot for being a Christian, as they say you're ignorant for being a Christian, as you face verbal persecution and, and what you can and can't say as a Christian, I think we've all been there. Is it worth it to be a Christian? Or would it just be easier to give that all up so I don't have to face that and live my life like everybody else. Paul's encouragement to the Thessalonians are, is our encouragement today. Persevere. Hold on tight to your faith. And here's why. Paul continues. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Paul says, persevere in your faith. Why? And it's your first point this morning. Because the end is scarier than the present. The end is scarier than the present. Paul says to persevere and hold on to your faith, and, and we want to say, but what about all the evil? What about the injustices of this world? What about the persecution on the Christian church? Should we really hold on? Look at all of it, Paul. And Paul says, I know, but God will handle it. God will handle it. What's God going to do? He's going to punish those who trouble you, he says. There's a lot of evil in the world. There's a lot of attacks on Christianity. And yet, the all-knowing, all-present, the all-seeing God has heard it all, has seen it all, knows it all. And God's heart hurts for His people. God's heart hurts. For those of you that are parents, how do you like it when somebody hurts your child? For those of you who aren't parents, how do you like it when somebody hurts your family member? I think the feelings that we feel is, first of all, our heart breaks because we don't like our family member or our child to hurt. And, and we have love and compassion and mercy and we want to, to heal them. We want to take all the bad away. But also, I think there's a sense of anger, isn't there? And a sense of, I'm gonna, I want to get that person back for what they've done to my family member. I want them to be punished. I want them to feel the pain that they caused my family. Your heart hurts when people call 
you names for being a Christian. And Jesus is in agony over it. Jesus is in agony as there are Christians across the world being persecuted for their faith. His heart hurts and He's angry. Understand this in the right way, but so what? Right? It, it's great to know Jesus empathizes with us. It's great to know that. But just because Jesus empathizes with us, does that mean we should really hold on to the faith? The answer? Yes. Because look what's going to happen, Paul says. God is going to pay back those who trouble you and give you relief. When? This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. Hold on. Why? Because the end is scarier than the present. And what's going to happen? Jesus is going to be revealed. And how is He going to be revealed? He's not going to look how we picture Him. The long brown hair, the brown beard, the soft blue comforting eyes. That's not how He's going to be revealed. He's coming down how? In blazing fire with His powerful angels. In blazing fire with His powerful angels. Some of you may have been around uh, a few years ago when Bastrop had their fires. Uh, it, we know that fire is destructive, right? Uh, a few years ago, you could still drive through Bastrop and you could see the destruction that took place. The houses that had been destroyed, the, the trees that were destroyed just blackened, no leaves whatsoever. Fire is destructive. And how is Jesus going to come back? Paul says he's going to be clothed in fire. And what's he going to do? He's going to punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to punish those who refuse to acknowledge God and refuse to believe in Jesus as their Savior. That includes the people who attack the Christian church. That includes the people who verbally assault you. That includes the people who bombed the ch bombed churches. Jesus is going to come and He is going to punish. How? They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. All people right now, no matter if you believe in Jesus or not, all people are in the presence of the Lord. God still shines His face on them. He still takes care of them. He still watches out for them. He still guards and protects them from the fires of hell and from the devil's full capabilities. But in the end, that changes. That changes where Jesus says, you are cast out from my presence. I'm turning from you. And that's hell. And what's it going to be like? Everlasting destruction. That seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? How can something be destroyed and yet forever be feeling destruction? That's hell. It is at that very moment, the feeling that you feel when you are completely destroyed, and yet that feeling goes on for eternity. People will be begging. People will be angry. People will be wishing, hoping, that their end will come and yet it will never ever come. It will go on for eternity. 
when Jesus comes with blazing fire. And maybe that's why when we think of the end, we do so with a little fear in our hearts. Because if this is how Jesus is going to be revealed, if this is how He's going to come down and this is what He's going to do, where do I stand? Where do you stand? Because we know in our hearts that we, we've treated God's people wrongly. We know that we have hurt God's people. We know that we have said things to God's people that hurt their, uh, hurt their feelings. We know that we've attacked God's people. We know that we haven't treated God's holy people with love and respect. And if God's going to pay back those who trouble God's people, where do we stand? Maybe you remember a time when uh, you were at home and you misbehaved. And do you remember what mom shouts out? Wait till, your, wait till your father gets home. And if it's at like 9 in the morning, okay, it's no big deal, right? You still got all day to play. But as the hours tick by, and you know that the end of the day is coming, what happens? You start getting a little more anxious. You start to fear a little more. You start to wonder, have I done enough through the rest of the day to make up for what I did earlier in the day. And then you hear it. The front door opens. And Dad walks in. And you're in your room and you're praying, please don't call me, please don't call me, please don't call me. And then Dad yells your name and says, Come here! And you drag your feet into the kitchen where Mom and Dad are sitting. And you stand before them and your fate is completely in their hands as you stand before the authority and you start to wonder, have I done enough to get out of punishment? If I am punished, will it be a light punishment or will it be a severe punishment? And you stand there awaiting the word. At the end, the judge of all is coming down. The authority of authorities is coming down. And we will stand before Him. And what do we say? What will He say to us? When we're younger, it doesn't really bother us, right? We've got plenty of time to make up for it. But as the days tick by and the years tick by, the end draws closer and closer. Anxiety and fear start to set in as we get ready to meet our Maker. What will He say? This is precisely why Paul is writing this letter to the Thessalonians. And this is the exact reason that we need this encouragement today to hold on to the faith. Because what is scary, the scene that is so scary, is completely different for the Christian. Let's look at verse 6 and 7 again, and then let's jump to verse 10. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire and His powerful angels. On the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed, 
This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. This scene is completely different for those who believe. And here's your last point today. In the end, there's ultimate safety and rest for the Christian. Look what Paul says. This scene that's terrifying. Jesus comes down wrapped in fire with His powerful angels to bring destruction. Paul says on that day, His holy people are going to marvel at Him. When was the last time you marveled at something where you just looked at something and you couldn't take your eyes off of it and you were in complete awe? Maybe it was uh, a month or so ago when, when we had those beautiful summer sunsets and you looked and you sat out and you looked west as the sunset and you just marveled at it. You couldn't take your eyes off of it. You were in complete awe over how God is such an amazing painter. Maybe it was out in, in the woods where you found a pond. No one else is around, just a, a smooth, crystal clear pond where you just sat and you, you marveled at God's nature. Maybe it was standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon as you looked out and you just marveled at this creation. Maybe it was when you stood in the corner of your house and you looked out as all of your family members are there and you just marveled at how great God has been to you. And you couldn't take your eyes off the scene. When Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back in His blazing fire, Christians will not take their eyes off of Him in fear. They will marvel at Him and be in awe of Him. And this includes you. Why? Not because you've done enough to make up for what you've done. Not because you've done enough to make up for the punishment that you deserve. But Paul says, because you believed our testimony to you. What is Paul's testimony? His testimony is that all people, you and I included, deserve God's wrath, deserve God's punishment, and yet God Himself, in Jesus, came to this earth. And He took your punishment for you. Do you remember the punishment Jesus is dealing out at that time? He's dealing out everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of God. When Jesus was on the cross, all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your failures went on His shoulders. He took responsibility for them all. And what did God do? He shut Him out from His presence. And we know that as Jesus cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you cast me from your presence? Why have you turned your back on me? Isaiah, 700 years before that in Isaiah 53, explained exactly what was taking place at that moment. In Isaiah 53, 700 years before Jesus, he said, but he, talking about Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions, the nails in his hands and his feet. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed, everlasting destruction. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we have been healed. At the cross of Christ, Jesus was absolutely crushed and experienced everlasting destruction. Why? 
so you never would. So that through faith in Him, your sins are completely washed away, you are healed, and you are part of God's holy people now. Not because you've done some great thing, but because Christ has done some great thing. He took your punishment for you. So that now, through faith in Him, your sins are forgiven. And when He comes back, we will just marvel at our Savior who's coming to save us. And not only is He coming to save us from the evil of this world, He's coming to take us where? To our heavenly home, where we will be perfectly safe forever. This is what Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians, and this is the encouragement he gives us today. Stand firm in the faith. Is it worth it? Yes. Because you think the world is scary now? Because they can kill your body? Imagine what's going to happen at the end when Jesus comes back. But for you, you don't have to worry about that. Because when Jesus comes back, it's a day of glory. It's a day of joy. It's a day where we will marvel at our Savior who's coming to take us home with Him where we will be safe forever. That's why we gather here every Sunday morning. That's why we gather during the week in Bible studies. Because we want to grow in this faith and we want to encourage others in their faith. So we may hold on to the hope that we have until the day comes when Jesus takes us home where we will be perfectly safe with Him forever. Let's ask God's blessings on us this week as we hold on to the faith. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank You that You took our punishment and that because of You we are perfectly safe uh, forever. We will eventually have rest from all the evil of this world that oppresses us when You take us home to be with You. Be with us this week and always as we grow in You and strengthen our faith so that we may hold on to what we have uh, so that we may be safe with You forever in heaven. In Your name we pray. Amen.